I didn't know what to do when it when it did happen. I just you know jumped into the glass. I know I I think I threw my gloves around. A moment that will be etched in UWSP athletics history. The Pointers won the Division Three Men's Hockey National Title thanks to Stephen Qualiata's goal in overtime. Matt Enfield and I talked to head coach Tyler Krieger, then senior forward Tanner Cardi, then sophomore forward Colin Raver, and the man who scored the game-winning goal, defenseman Stephen Qualiata. We're here with the 2019 UWSP men's hockey team. They won the national title, as you all remember. They went undefeated. I'm going to let Matt lead this off since he was the one shooting and I was a little busy uh, doing something else. <laughs> hey, it was an interesting night all around, guys. So, yeah, obviously – it was a one-of-a-kind year where you guys become the first and only undefeated national champions in the history of D3 hockey, and you got the chance to do it at KB World Arena, your home ice, which is something that I don't think, from what I can understand with how they're going to set the tournament going forward, that's something that might not happen again. So we'll get to the Frozen Four weekend in just a second because it was obviously a big one for Stevens Point and for you guys as a team. But for we have head coach Tyler Krieger and then a couple of other players on with us, Tanner Cardi and Steven Quagliata from that team. Guys, I want to go back to maybe the beginning of the season, the early stage of that season. How quickly into that year did you realize that this wasn't just a really, really good team, that this was a team that should probably be regarded as the clear favorites to win it all? I think game two. Um, <laughs> I think it really – to take it even further, I think, you know, we returned, we only lost four players from that, you know, 17, 18 team um, that went to the frozen four and lost in the semifinals. And I think they probably deserved a better fate um, in that game, but we returned a lot of guys that were hungry and a lot of experience and added some new guys. So I think, um, you know, I forget who we played. I think we played a roar the first game and beat them. And I think we tied trying the second game and um, just kind of was a wake up call for all of us. And I think, I think I remember sitting and saying there and someone said, I think, you know, I don't think we should lose another game the rest of the year, just theoretically, just based on the experience we had and who we had in the locker room and just kind of had that mindset moving forward. And, um, you know, just kind of went on a tear from there. I'm going to go with Tanner. You were the leader on that team. I believe you were the captain on that team being the guy in the locker room. What was your message heading into the season and leading up? And as you continue to win along, what was your message to the squad being the leader in the locker room? Well, I think Krieg's kind of hit on it, right? We deserved a better fate there in 2017. Um, I'll never forget it. I think we outshot them 50-something to 12, and we lost in 17. And so we came back just with that feeling, that gut feeling in our stomach. And then we hit that trying game, we hit that tie, and we just kind of kept rolling from there. It was it's one of those things that we, we knew before we deserved better. And so we knew what to kind of work for. We knew the ultimate goal. I mean – Going into every season, it was never let's win the WIAC and see what happens from there, right? It was we're going to play in the last game and we're going to win the last game, especially our senior class, right? We had that our freshman year, so we won it already. So we kind of wanted to do it as our team, right? We were the guys. And so we kind of had that mindset from day one that we weren't going to be stopped. Yeah, we took that, you know, we took that from last year. I think we, we deserve a better fate, but. You know, so we took it in our hands that we weren't going to leave it up to fate next year. We were going to, you know, earn those bounces and earn those, you know, look at that game and you can look at it one of two ways that, yeah, we should have won it. It was a hot goalie, but if you're just going to sit and put your hands up and you can't do anything about it, then it sucks. So we kind of had that mindset of we're going to take out any chance that we can and try to have the controls we can. So we kind of earned our, earned our luck and earned our bounces, I think, through that year. And that, that was the hunger, I think, that drove us. Um, that's the difference there. So I've never been inside a hockey locker room before. I imagine you guys know what it's like to have a great team and obviously losses are going to tick you off, but 
getting ticked off at ties. Was that kind of a unique mindset to that team? Or is that something that any, is that a mentality that any great team should have? It's definitely a mentality because that I'll never forget that tie felt like a loss to us. Yeah, it was a tie. It wasn't a loss. We were still okay. But that tie was something that kind of ate at us and which is kind of crazy to think about now you look back and still the two ties we had all year kind of bothered me right because it wasn't perfect yes we went undefeated but there were still two blemishes hey, you know one was a good tie one was a bad tie i would say you know the trying game you know i felt like you know we didn't play very well in that game the saint orbert game i think yeah that was a great you know going into that building at that time saint orbert you know still probably had our number a little bit um you know, we're going in there and we were down a goal and came back and tied it up late. I think to get a tie there, I think that was a huge turning point um, in the season, but also just, uh, you know, more mentally than confidence than anything um, and moving forward and down the road. You know, we knew that that game was for, you know, probably home ice later on, um, you know, in the mm -hmm. playoffs that, you know, that was our mindset then. Of I said after that game, I believe I said after the game in the locker room, was, you know, it was a great team, great win. And, you know, the rest of the season is to make sure that when we play them again at the end of the year, that it's at our building. Yeah, because it is a tough place to play there. Steven, I, I want to go to you. First of all, how many people mispronounce your name? Because I think we do it all the time. Is it? Yeah, Matt just did it to start the interview. Yeah, it's Qualiata, right? Feel bad. It is Qualiata. That is correct. Honestly, I've gotten to a point where I, I tend not to correct people. Um, <laughs> I've kind of dealt with it now for 20 years or so. So People call um, me kinda... people call me Kruger all the time, so don't feel bad. It's, <laughs> yeah. You just roll with it. Yeah, no, you just got to let it happen sometimes. I can't blame people. It's not an easy game. <laughs> and then the first real question I had was, uh, you were a sophomore on that team. So you were one of the younger guys. Uh, obviously, you had a taste of it, I believe, the year before. But what what was it like seeing guys like Tanner Cardi and the rest of the older guys leading you as you're supposed to take this team to a national title? That group of seniors we had that year and even our juniors, um, everybody was coming back from that past year. There was a lot of trust in the whole locker room. It was just, I think that second year with a huge majority of that group together was was a big key for us. Colin, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, you had a ton of seniors, uh, senior leaders on that 2019 national title winning team. You were one of the younger guys. What was the message you took from guys like Tanner Cardi? Uh, Tanner really taught me just to like always work my butt off in practice and just try and get better and I feel like Cardi kind of told me or at least I thought about it was taking one shift at a time and as long as I win that shift I did a good job and watching Cardi in practice really drove me to be a better player and being on his line definitely helped a lot too with how well he did it. Going into the playoffs you guys beat St. Norbert in the quarters at your place and then this dream scenario kind of arises frozen four in Stevens Point at your place with the chance to cap off the only undefeated national championship season in D3 hockey history. And while I know the mentality of this program is, like you said, one shift at a time, one game at a time, and just really focusing on winning the semifinal game and advancing to the championship game, I imagine the thought at some point had to go through all of your guys' heads that this is a super cool, unique, really once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity that you have right in front of you, no? I think it definitely hit home probably, um, you know, after the St. Norbert win, uh, I think like two hours after it, we found out we were hosting, you know, officially, which we thought we would. And I think then it just kind of all became a little bit more real. And I think from then, from my point of view, from then it turned into an absolute chaotic, you know, crapshoot for the next week as far as 
just tons of crap going on. People asking for tickets from everyone, their brother coming into town and dealing with a lot of hoop ball being at home. I've learned that while it was, it was real fun to host it at home. Um, but going on the road to somewhere else where you're on your own is not that bad either. Um, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there from my perspective. I, I loved it at home, but I guess no one I don't know now would be great moving forward of it is a gong show of a week for, uh, for me, but I mean, it matches the same as the players of dealing with a lot of, a lot of excitement from a lot of people. Um, so I think that week, you know, was a, it was chaotic. It was zoom by seven days flew by and, um, you know, felt like a whirlwind, but, you know, we're leading up to that. Everything was calm, cool, collected, focused. That St. Norbert game was the best game we've played by far. Um, we talked about playing the perfect game. And I think that was as close as we've come um, as a whole. And then, you know, in the Frozen Four was – we were holding on a little bit. You know, we had a couple – two-goal leads in both games and had to, had to fight our way back and end up in scoring, you know, which wasn't the way that we had won games all year, but just – you know, the moment just got bigger, I think, as that week went on leading up to the games and the moment, the pressure and everything just compiled. And um, you know, we held on for dear life like a champion and uh, found ways to win those games. But, um, you know, from my perspective, that's where it is. I'd love to hear from the guy perspective because I haven't heard a lot of these stories. I'll say it was. It was chaotic. I know it was chaotic for Kriegs, especially me being the captain on the team. I had a little bit more insight, right? We communicated a little bit more, but I just know like the ice, right? I'll never forget getting the ice prepared, getting the logos prepared on the ice, getting the wrapping on the boards, but that's all stuff he had to deal with, uh, with the rink. Like you said, tickets. I had so many people coming in that didn't come to games that now are coming in from Oklahoma and billets from Iowa and everywhere. And it's, you're trying to just stay focused and stay dialed into the week at practice and getting ready for the games. But, there is. There's a lot of outside distractions, but it was, it, it was nice, right? I wouldn't change it for the world being able to do that at home and in front of our fans. I would go through the hell and all the distractions over and over and over again to do that again. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I'm not going to say it that way. It was our, our people did a great job of putting it on and everything. I think for the players, it was an awesome and amazing experience. And it was for me, too, once the game time came, just leading up to that whole week. I mean, it was chaotic. I mean, I, I wish I could go back and try to sit and enjoy it. I think we, I did, you know, but just seeing the way it all played out made everything worth it, uh, you know, in the end from everybody's point of view. So I remember that was a message from, from Kriegs to all of us, right? Was <laughs> take it all in, right? Like enjoy it, take it all in again. Like you guys said, this isn't going to probably happen ever again, but I remember that was a big message. That was a message that our leadership was trying to convey to everyone as well. Kind of trying to pass a message from Kriegs to them was man, just enjoy this. Like, whatever happens, like, we know we're the best team here. Play our game, but just enjoy this moment. Enjoy the practices. Like, I just saw a video pop up um, of us driving in the back of trucks to the other rink to practice because we weren't allowed to practice at our home rink, right? Just stupid memories like that that were just fun and that are a blast that we did it all together. It makes a big difference, too, as far as not having that week in between. You know, the Division One has a week off in between their Frozen Four to kind of logistically figure things out and whatnot in the hoopla, where it's a turnaround from, you know, Sunday morning at, from Sunday morning until teams are coming in on Wednesday. That's, you know, four days um, it really of a lot of stuff happening um, on the back end. So it's uh, it was fun. I was going to follow up with that real quick. What were some of – I mean, I'm sure, like you said, having to practice at – I'm sure Ice Hawks Arena is where you guys went because you couldn't practice at – Will it? I'm sure that practice you tried to keep as normal as possible, but what were some of the, the demands in the public eye? Like, it was nutty at Stevens Point that week. I remember I did a live interview with Bernie Patterson and the president of Hobart College, where Bernie was betting a block of cheese and the president of Hobart was betting a bottle of wine on the first game. It was nutty. So, I mean, and that's just from my perspective. So, I imagine you guys going through the whole week in the public eye and the entire city of Stevens Point looking at you. It was probably more of the same, minus the cheese and wine, I would imagine. 
I never got that bottle of wine, so I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, Cardi. <laughs> yeah, but you probably ate the cheese, though. Definitely <laughs> ate the cheese. It was a nutty week. I mean, it was a, it was an energetic week. There was just a buzz in the town the whole week. It was fun. Um, you know, it was beautiful outside. It kind of felt, you know, like this time of year. It was actually, actually probably it was this, this it was time this of year. Week. I mean, this week. Yeah, I think 24th, 25th, and it's just that's what this kind of weather reminds me of you know we played uh you know we played a game a couple weeks ago and someone made the comment of just feels like an NCAA game just as far as the weather outside and I remember the weather that week was warm and you know that was one of the issues of you know we find out on on Sunday our rink finds out that we're hosting it and they have to put you know logos in the ice wrap the boards they got to cut the ice down shave it down um, take the logos out put them in try to build that ice back up um you know while it's 50 55 degrees in Wisconsin and our compressors at that point you know we're running you know, we had a project slated to start right after that frozen four to put new compressors in. So, I mean, it was kind of the perfect storm in the other sense of the word as well on that side of it. So it was a scramble a little bit. And a lot of people put a lot of hours into in those, you know, 72 hours to get things ready to where they were. Um, you know, we had a guy making the, the ice or the snow, the snow guy making his uh, championship thing out there when it's like 55 degrees. It's still not does that, you know, as far as getting the snow out there. So there was a lot of stuff going on. It was it was fun. Um, it was a fun, fun time week. I'm gonna I'm gonna go right to the game, Matt, because that's really what we're here for. Uh, I'm looking at the stats. I don't remember all of this. I, I don't know why, but uh, I'm gonna start with Colin Raver, and then I'm gonna go to Steven. Yeah, I got hit in the eye with a puck. So if we all remember that one, um, bleeding everywhere. But that's for beside the point. But uh, I'm gonna start with Colin. Colin, you were the guy who scored the goal that put you up, you guys up two to nothing. What was the emotions like when you potted that goal? Honestly, like in the moment and everything, you try to take, especially with Freaks mentioning that and everything, but just I was just excited to help the guys kind of just gain a higher lead. And I mean, obviously, I was jacked up and seeing the crowd, but um, I would have to go look back at a video to even remember that goal in all honesty. And then I'm going to go to Steven. He scores that goal. You're up two to nothing. But before that, it's nothing, nothing the whole game for two periods. As a defender, how are you like, guys, forwards, put in a goal, please, Tanner, anybody. You know, we were, I think we were kind of expecting games like that. Um, you know, lockdown defense, not too many opportunities. You're going to have to take advantage of those opportunities when you got them. I think that's why you saw some, a little explosion there in the third. I think both teams were uh, taking a little more opportunities. But yeah, it was, was playing it, out of his mind too. Yeah, man. that too. Yeah, I mean, we um, had probably 19 grade A opportunities in the first two periods too. Where, yeah, I mean, call a spade a spade. I mean, put any other kid in net, we probably in a normal game we're up six rip in the first two periods. So we really felt frustrated, yeah. you know. So the pot two really quickly. Uh, it was nice. How much extra tension is there in a game like that? where you know what's on the line, what's at stake, and you're scoreless through two periods, and you know that there's going to be some sort of emotional shift either way whenever someone finally does hit the back of the net. I imagine that uh, – I'm trying to remember the tension in my head, but I imagine for you guys that's got to be heightened 20-fold. Uh, I, the building, yes, but the bench, no. Like we, we went through everything that year, right? We went through some great highs. We went through even whenever we were winning some some down periods and down times. But we had a very mature team. Even our like freshmen, the sophomores, everybody was premature, right? So a big thing with us is we never got too high, never too low. Just kind of try to keep our pulse even, right? So 
we knew something had to happen eventually, right? Someone's going to score. Something's going to have to happen. So you just kind of try to keep going no matter what happens. The shift right after a big goal like that, it's important to contain like that momentum and not let them get like a breath of air, just staying on them. And uh, that's the thing that we kind of talk about throughout the year since you've left, but that's always been a big thing. Yeah, a two-goal lead in hockey is arguably the hardest lead to keep. When you go two, up two to nothing, they do come back and tie the game up to send it to overtime. Was there a deflation or, like, did you guys let your guard down? What was the deal there? Or did they just have good opportunities and they capitalized? What was the shift in momentum there before uh, overtime? I think if we're being brutally honest, I think, like Tanner said, it was all year long. It was a very mature, calm group where never really got rattled. Um, you know, the, the night prior in the semifinals, we were up 3-1. Bang, bang, they scored two power play goals in a matter of two minutes. All of a sudden, it's a 3-3 game in the third period. We had a scramble. And I think uh, somebody on this podcast scored a big goal. Tanner scored a goal, you know, to make game win there. And so we went through that night prior. Um, you know, so we were going into that, and I think, yeah. Braver is when he scored that goal. I think everybody, if they're admitting it to their man, all of a sudden with 10 minutes left in the game, up to rip, just had an inkling of this might happen. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? And then all of a sudden they get one, they get another, and they're like, oh my God, what are we doing now? Well, I, like what Creech just said, I'll never forget that was a that was a top or that was a conversation. It's like, guys, we just did this the night before. No, no one freak out, no one panic. We literally did this 24 hours ago. We'll be fine. I think definitely when we're up to rip. I mean, I think there's all I mean, everyone. There's that slight in your mind where, oh my God, two goal lead is terrible. You know, uh, you know when I said to our radio guys before the game, I think my pregame interview, you know, our our team that year had such good defense and good goaltending that if we scored three goals, I would take ninety nine point nine percent. We were going to win a game with three goals, and I said it was going to be a three goal. You know, first, the three goals is going to win this game, and then after the second period, we Tom Weaver came down the locker room like he normally does in between and just goes, it might take one. Great. Then after the game, I still looked up at him. I said, three, we've three. Um, <laughs> so it's just funny how that stuff comes back. So you look at the score, and obviously hockey is a lot more than just looking at the score to analyze how a team played. But obviously you guys won a little bit more convincingly on Friday night. Obviously they got the back-to-back power play goals, which made the game look closer than – you would think, but Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't really that happy with how you guys played on Friday, and you were very happy with how you played on Saturday, despite the game being closer and obviously being decided overtime. Yeah, we played a great game in the quarterfinal game against St. Norbert. You know, and then I think the circ not not the circus, but I'm gonna call it just the, the extracurricular, the hoopla, the normal, the unnormal stuff happened. And it was kind of chaotic and everything was chaotic all through that week. Lead up to the game Friday, and all of a sudden it happens, boom, we in the game, and all of a sudden we're in a game. And I thought like, oh my God, we're in a game. Oh crap, we got to figure out what we're doing. And we're kind of we're chasing, and we had to scramble, and we found a way to win that game. Um, and then we were able to kind of really just take a deep breath. Um, you know, me especially. I went home. I think I slept. You know, woke, couldn't really sleep after that semifinal game, and woke up at five a.m. to do video, show video with the guys at ten or eleven. And then I went home, took a three-hour nap, and you know, then finally it was the first time waking up from that post-game nap and going to the championship game where I felt like I had my head on straight for the first time in seven days. And I think the team. We just were a little calmer and just kind of hit the reset button going to the championship game. I want to know what, what the message was between uh, the end of the third period and the uh, overtime, overtime starting that intermission there. What, what, what did you say to the team, Kriegs, to keep their mindset right? I don't think I said a word. <laughs> really? So, Tanner, did you say anything? Um, I, I remember going back using the day before as a reference, right, and just mm-hmm. kind of – 
a lot. There's there's not much to be said. I remember talking about that a bit. And I remember just kind of telling everyone to stick together. Like we're in this together. We've done this before. Everything will be all right. And that was pretty much it. But I don't remember saying much more than that. Do the underclassmen remember anything else that was said? No. I remember not being scared. That's kind of exactly how I felt. Um, it just it didn't seem like anybody was panicking. The camaraderie was still up. Um, you know, I know we mentioned it before, not too high, not too low. I think, I think we all just kind of felt that, you know, we got ourselves to that point in the year. Um, you know, our record was what it was. I think we all knew what we had. And I think, I think everybody in that locker room felt like they were going to go out there and grab it on their stick. Um, come that overtime period. Yeah. I think that was, that was the biggest thing. It just, it felt even keel and, and the, the vibes were definitely still up high, even though we had just let up too. How about you, Colin? I was going to say, like, we came back, there was no negativity whatsoever. And because of previous uh, games, it was second nature. We had no problem going in. I had no doubt. I'm sure the entire team, Creeks, had no doubt that we'd pull this one off because we've done it before. Obviously, the expectation is that the championship game is going to be the toughest game just because it's for it's what everyone plays for the entire season. Purely on paper, did you guys feel like Norwich was the toughest matchup out of the other three teams there, or did Geneseo or Hobart present extra challenges that maybe Norwich did not? Nor Norwich was Norwich was it. We'll never know. I mean, it's uh, you know obviously I've had pre scouted all the teams leading up to that, so we prepare for anybody and. Um, the games are played for a reason at that time of the year in Norwich. Um, they were a great team. As you can see, I mean, their goaltender that they had was, you know, the best goaltender in Division Three that I've seen in a while, um, just as far as his size and whatnot, his movement. I think he went and played in the AHLs next year, and he was good. I mean, that team was a young, young team, too. Um, you know, unfortunately for them, the last couple of years, they probably wanted to see what would happen with those classes and have lost it due to COVID. But they were a very good team um, that played very good defense and had a good goalie. I think, Matt, we're ready for the moment, and this is Steven's moment. Uh, yeah, Steven, let's go you, to you. So you, you don't even have to ask the question. You know what we're asking. Like, what was the emotion like when that goal went in? What do you remember from it? And we'll just go from there. You know, I, I still hear about it from family members. Um, every time I, I show up to an event that somebody hasn't seen me at in a while. But I look back on it, and I still, like, it, it almost seems surreal. Um you know, when it did happen, I think I kind of, I didn't know what to do when it, when it did happen. I just, you know, jumped into the glass. I know I, I think I threw my gloves around, but I, it's still just, it, it's crazy to think back on that, that whole year, the way that it was capped off to do it in front of the hometown crowd. And, and then to also, you know, to score on the end in front of our student section, I think that was just, the cherry on top of that entire year in general of what we were able to accomplish as a group. Um, it was, yeah, just definitely something special. For the listeners that don't know, Steven was the one that scored the game winning goal in overtime to capture the national title. And Matt, I'll let you ask your next question. Well, I was going to ask, and I want Tyler, Colin and Tanner to all hit on this. The moments after Steven lets off that wrist shot that goes in the back of the net. You guys actively remember anything, or is it literally just a blur like you would imagine it would be? I, I mean, I remember that. I remember hitting that kid, picking up the puck, passing over to Steven. And as soon as it hit Steven's stick, and I've had the same feeling this season and every single time he gets the puck, I'm like, this is going in. And sure enough, it goes in. I'm just surprised. I don't even get my helmet or gloves off. 
And actually, everyone is out on the ice with me and Steven up against the glass. It was awesome. Yeah, Colin's face in the still frame is just a, it's a still frame of after he scores, Steven jumping the glass. And Steven, I think, he has tears already come out of his eyes. And Colin just looks like he's just seen a ghost. He just looks like <laughs> shock a little bit. But he's got that same feeling. It was Steven had that um, – type of year he's had that sense when he gets time and space on a stick in the offensive zone he's going to pick a corner if he gets to see it clean so uh i didn't even see that he had it on his stick it was since then i've been able to piece things together but at the time it was just an absolute scramble of trying to figure out a line change and who the hell we almost had the puck off sides and someone's going this way and that way and all of a sudden i saw him coming down and all of a sudden i just see i just saw netting uh you know obviously the puck who hit the netting to the net and then i don't know just pandemonium um yeah no i i was actually almost off sides <laughs> he admits it. Came ripping yeah. out of pole his groin. I think you were falling backwards. I probably in the he was probably by the net cheating for the goal, and the puck came out. He had to scramble real quick and get back in the zone, so he had to hurry up. And he was probably out there for a minute, so he was bagged and barely got back on sides. I think he fell over trying to do the splits. So he yep. was at like the far blue line when the goal was scored. Yeah, I was. I was at almost the red line. So I, I did. I fell coming back. So I was trying to get back on sides because I was cheating offensively, hoping they'd just throw it on net and I'd put it in. And so I fell, and I remember getting up, throwing my eyes as I can, rushing to the pile. I was in the pile for two seconds, and then for some reason in my brain, I just thought of Kriegs. And I still have the picture. I skate from the pile, and I go right to the bench, and he jumps off the top of the bench and into my arms. Oh, that's so cool. Sander, did you even see the – you didn't see the goal then? I saw – I was getting up, like, right as he scored. I, I was – like I said, I kind of fell backwards, and I was getting up because I'm going back in the offensive zone. I'm not going to change. And I'm getting up, and I see it go in, and I just full sprint right in. I was right behind him. I actually had probably – thinking back on it now, like, the more I think about it, I probably had one of the better views because I was right behind him. You have the public celebration at Century World afterwards, which I'm sure there was a better celebration after that. But the public celebration at first, to start out – how cool was that to see all these people that had given you all this energy the entire week and to be able to soak in at least an hour or two with them after you had just pulled off something that had never been done before in the history of D3 hockey? That was like the Hollywood movie scene going to Century that night. Um, yeah, you remember walking up the stairs? And the band hitting you up? It, it was, yeah. it was the, the coolest was, thing I've ever been a part of. These guys almost left me. These guys, the plan was like they have a, a parade over, like someone drive over and coaches were in the locker room doing something while these guys all of a sudden look up and they're all gone we run to the parking lot they're all like driving over there already we had almost walking in the building we got in the parking lot <laughs> i'm sure the plan went out the window at that point yeah i don't know what the plan was i don't think there was a plan it was just uh get over there well yeah, actually we now getting... that steven says it's like the hollywood movie do you guys kind of remember the moment where you walk in holding the trophy and everyone just kind of goes bonkers yeah we were all in just like our dress, we weren't wearing our suits, right? We were in our dress pants, dress shoes, and our hats and shirts, right? And yeah. I remember we had the trophy, and we all went in as a group, and bands <laughs> playing, walking us in. You see, like, family here. Someone might be in your class over there. Just everyone that you could think of. All the support that's been there for my four years, everybody was there. We walk up, and it's like they had it planned before we even got there, right? Yeah. Like, Kegs going, food going. They did, Tanner. They did. But <laughs> you, guys didn't, you guys didn't know they did, but they did. And that was. I know. Uh, it had to have been. It was too perfect not to be. It's a big shout out to Don Scafidi, too, who's been uh, Scafidi and Scafidi Motors, who was a longtime donor for us and a longtime member and 
partner with us, um, you know, sponsored that whole whole event for us, and was a big part of planning that on the, the pre part of it. That you know, these guys didn't even know about it. We had that event planned. Whether we win or lost, won or lost that last game, we were going to do it. You know, the guys didn't know that part of it either. But um, again, you know, there was no doubt it was going to be a happy celebration. Yeah, I, I do remember hearing that part that you guys were doing that public celebration, win or lose. Obviously, it's going to be a hell of a lot more fun after you win. Uh, Tyler, I don't need details. I do remember you getting up in your speech to everyone at one point and saying that the quote was, let's burn this city to the ground tonight. Like I said, I don't need details, but did you guys succeed in that? Yes. Uh, you know that I, I don't have those answers. I think they do. I don't know. If it was I, so I went home and went to bed. I was exhausted. I slept for about eighteen straight hours. I don't think I slept eighteen hours that whole week. So I went home and went straight to bed after I said that. These guys might have a different story. I mean, how much can we say? <laughs> Floor is yours. I will. I will say. I think that Saturday night, the night after the game, was probably maybe our our our, our least destructive night, if you want to call it that. Um, I think we were all a little bit still in shock and awe. You know, we were enjoying time with our parents at the bars and stuff. But I think it was the the week following that, our you know, our bender week following that, that <laughs> might have uh, gotten a little bit out of hand. But yeah, I think the Saturday night was was pretty chill for the most part, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think they, I think Sunday or Monday, I think the mayor came and stopped by there a little uh, Esclave yeah. outside they had and um, just gave him a congrats uh, and. Just said, have fun for the next uh, few days. I'm going to guess that uh, Tanner, Colin, and Steven, I'm going to guess that class attendance that week was not 100%, no? No, it was zero. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, the highest GPA <laughs> that semester in the spring still. Still had the Dude. highest GPA. Men's, men's hockey had the highest GPA out of all oh, yeah, campus. Still, <laughs> still had a 3.5 GPA after that semester. Thanks, thanks, Wags. I was shocked. No, I'll go back to whenever the mayor stopped by. I, I'll never forget that. It was essentially – like, so you get a green light from the coach every now and then where no practice on Monday and kind of can have a little bit more fun, right? Getting the mayor to essentially give us the green light to the town was pretty cool. It came by, shook some hands. Congratulations. You guys be safe. I think, I think that was his words. And that's to us, that's you guys do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think the, the coolest part about that is to see how much it meant. You know, we know how much it means to our other students, you know, the people that support us, you know, night in, night out. But, you know, for the mayor to come by and just show his appreciation and even, you know, acknowledge us, that was I think that was pretty cool just to see him come over and do that for us. Did you guys pay for a drink the entire week or the entire month or the entire six months after that? I probably still I have a couple of tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember even going back to the mayor. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Colin and Quags, but like, like police officers would stop by. Mm-hmm. Like they would stop by and they would shake our hands and congratulations and just, you guys have fun, be safe. Like there was uh, the firefighter dudes I remember stopped by the one day because we were over at Baxter's. Like it was just people would just stop by if we were outside, like people walking their dogs, like. You have no idea who they are, but they just knew who we were, and they just wanted to say congrats. I think that was a testament just to the character of the team on the whole year. You know, they they weren't running out and doing this all year long. I mean, they they had earned their fun, and I think um, you know they knew where the line was eventually, and they knew that they earned the right to raise that line a little bit or push that bar a little bit, and they knew where it was still. And there was just a lot of respect um, for the community that they had and the community had for them. So I think it was just a you know, it had to be a fun fun couple weeks for them. The last question I have uh, for you guys is I'm going to start with Kriegs first and then go to the players. 
Uh, and I don't want a coach like answer, Tyler, where you say, oh, you know, I just went and coached my next game next year. Was How did life change after you guys won that game? Not necessarily at the bars or the mayor coming to you, but like your, your life around town. What, what had changed moving forward and even to this day? Nothing and everything. You know, at the end of the day, after that week or so, that, that high that you're on wears off. Um, you know, especially as a coach, not graduating or whatnot, or not having an extra years of playing with another one as a coach. I just got to go do that all again. You know, kind of mindset that that kind of starts to seep in a little bit, and that could almost be daunting if you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If you're just doing it for that high or that chase, um, it's kind of deflating. Um, so, you know, for me, I think um, it just put things in perspective. And, you know, what's transpired since then in my life has put a lot of things in perspective, you know, being a father and, um, you know, just going through the perfect season at a young age in a coaching career, just, it's not going to happen like that again. You know, we got to move on from it almost. Um, you know, so it has, I'm very fortunate to have won that in my young career as a coach and not be chasing something for 40 years and to realize that what it's actually really about, um, not chase something for 40 years. That's an empty feeling. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, everything changes once you were national championship, master national championship champion, like a talk, you know, you realize that you can kind of, you feel like you can conquer anything in life. Um, so, you know, I think everything changes and nothing changes at the same time. You know, at the end of the day, you, the sun comes up and you still got some responsibilities of life in general that you got to do. You know, it's not just roses from there on out, but, um, you know, there's a lot that you learn about yourself that you take on from there on out. And then I'm going to ask Tanner, Colin, and then Steven the same exact question. What changed for you guys? Like I said, not necessarily at the bars, not necessarily with the mayor, but in your life in general moving forward. Me personally, just as an individual, I think Creed's kind of just spoke on it a bit. I remember at the start of the year, I was having a conversation just about how I had to change my role as a person, as a leader from junior to senior year. Um, and I remember, I don't remember the exact wording, but I remember kind of the parameters around it, that no matter what happens this year, you're still going to have to go on with life. You're still going to have to be a good person, a good student, hockey player, whatever you're going to do. And so that kind of helped me change that. Um, Person I was junior year to senior year, two totally different people. Winning a national championship is the best thing that could have ever happened, but changing as a person and as a leader is better than that. Right? Like I, I learned how to respect teammates, be a good teammate, and put a team before myself. And that's something that I'll take more with me forever over that ring, right? I, like that ring is at my mom's house probably, but I'll take that forever. So just those things that I learned throughout that year has kind of stayed with me. Obviously being, having that, that label, no one can ever take that from me, winning two national championships in college. Like that's going to stay with me forever, but the things I learned along the way are what really stay with you. No one can take that away from us. And one of the things that uh, really I started to notice was how much of an impact and like how much people follow us. And it just, it made me more grateful for the people that have supported like me in every aspect of my life. Like just, being thankful for those people because there's still people today that are always texting me after games and stuff saying like, Hey, good game. And like congratulating on us. And it's just humbling and uh, making me more thankful for other people in my life. Being a part of that group that year was one of the most special parts of, of my life so far. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever been a part of a group in any setting that was that bought into one ultimate goal. Um, and you see it brought a success. So I think just carrying a lot of 
a lot of the things from that year in daily life, just, just being a good teammate, being a good friend, being, you know, being there for the people that need you. Um, and like Tanner said, just, you know, the off ice stuff too, the way that this program can build you as a person. Um, if you, if you buy in and let it happen, it's just, I, you know, I can't thank the program enough for what I've been a part of and the opportunities they've given me. And it's just, you know, it's, it's been a great thing to, to be a part of. You kind of just hit on what you thought made that team special. And like, you look at that roster and you look at even the people in this room that were a part of that team. And usually I think a lot of people would associate an undefeated national champion with a huge group of seniors, but we had Tanner who was a senior leader there. And then you had a couple of other younger guys, Colin and Steven yourself that obviously played huge roles on that team. So it may be, even if you guys brought back a huge group from the year before, it wasn't quite as prototypical as maybe would come to mind right away. So what made that group so unique and so special looking back on it? You know, I, I don't know if it was one, one specific thing. I think we just had, had the right pieces that fit. You know, I know, I know it's every coach's goal to find those pieces and get them set up the way that we had that year. But I think it just came down to, everybody knowing their job, everybody knowing that they had to buy in and just, it, we ended up having the perfect puzzle that year with all the pieces that fit. Yeah. If I could say one thing with that too, I, I can honestly say that we truly loved each other as teammates. Like we truly cared for each other. Yep. Like I've never been on a team that close to where you came to the rink every day and you were excited to be there. It's a long season, even college hockey playing 30 something games. It's a long season, all the practices, workouts, video, all that. It's not like you're playing pro, you're playing 80 games, but it's a lot. But we truly, truly cared for each other and loved each other. We loved being with each other. What we used to call it like force time with friends, right? Yeah, force we time. We loved with being with each other. I could call any guy on that, that team right now and talk to them for an hour. But you can't do that with a lot of teams, right? You have your five, six good buddies, and everybody can move along. Some guys don't. But we truly loved each other as teammates, as friends, and we respected each other. You know, what comes first, chicken or the egg? Is it, you know, winning teams or winning groups? You know, are they, you know, are they cohesive? Do that? Does that the cohesion come first, or does winning, you know, produce them to be a more, you know, tight group, knit group? I mean, it's the usual question. I think. You don't just win out of nowhere. Um, you know, it comes from somewhere. And I think that stemmed from the year prior. You know, we returned a lot of pieces and we added, you know, we brought in, you know, we only lost four players. We brought in eight players that year, I believe. And, you know, we brought in some players that, you know, were a key part of that run, um, you know, right away leading up to it. Um, you know, Chris Alvin, some guys leading in. And I think those guys just bought in, but that group from the previous year was so tight already, tight knit that, um, you know, right from day one, just was a different feel, a different mindset than any other year I've been a part of starting the year. You know, and I think since then we've been struggling to start years like that. We think it's going to happen uh, before that. It's just that group had just an absolute different mindset right from the beginning. I think it just stemmed from the group cohesion, um, but also the task cohesion of, you know, we don't care where you are, who you came from, but this is what we're doing. Um, this is what we're going for. Get on board or, you know, get off, essentially. And I want to say it started with, like, the leadership from the top down with Cardi and all the other seniors taking us under their wing right away and showing us the ropes. And this is how we do things like Craig's just said, and then still being able to have a level of trust and like friendship that we do have that um, chemistry and we built that chemistry off the ice and it translate onto the ice where 
I can trust Cardi to get the puck every single time, chip it off the glass and let me go down and get it. Cause we just, we connected that well. And I think the entire team connected that well. And then the last thing that comes to mind for me is just looking at it. You guys go 29-0-2, win a national championship. Do you guys, knowing how hard it was, I'm sure behind the scenes, practices, uh, film, everything that goes into it that a lot of people don't see, do you think something like that will ever maybe happen again? Selfishly, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> if it does, if it does, I'll I hope wait for your guys' answer. I hope not, but if it does, I hope it's with Steven's point again. I hope some other yeah. group comes in and some other group's able to accomplish that. But it, if it happens, it, it better be there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as, as a coach, I think that's one of the biggest. I think um, for our program, Ford and myself, I think that's the biggest uh, no-no was to try to compare yourself to that and hold yourself to that standard as far as just a measuring stick as far as that record. There's a lot of things that went into that. that it, it ain't going to happen like that ever again as far as that year – how it happened, beating St. Norbert in the quarterfinal, getting to host it at home, the hoopla we had to go through, down in the games, coming back, down, peppering a goalie, he plays well, get two goals, think we're up, two bang, bang, back, going to overtime, towards your own crowd, game-winning snipe. I mean, if you're right, if you're making a movie, that's it. So chances of it happening again, not likely. You know, I think that's unbelievable um, for these guys. I think it's uh, truly once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generational thing that was um, – just fun to be a part of it was just a magical season a remarkable season it was we may never see anything like that again in all of collegiate hockey unblemished undefeated the pointers 2019 national champions if you have an idea for the highlight zone podcast feel free to email us at sports at wsaw.com we'd love to hear from you